0: This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness. Personal training that goes above and beyond to get
1: the best results for you. Jesus, you could buy a Danny Drinkwater for that.
0: To another episode of Game Time. It's a FA Cup mixed bag sort of episode this week with me and Tim. Um, before we do start, though, from all of us here, from the guys as well who aren't on the pod, um, our thoughts go out to Emiliano Sala and his family um, at a very difficult time. So, yeah, our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Uh, but Tim, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. Right, let's let's kick start with the FA Cup because that happens. Friday evening with probably one of the most mouthwatering FA Cup ties that you can imagine. Arsenal versus Bristol Manchester Bolton. <laughs> Is Bristol Bolton. That's the one we're going to have. Um, Arsenal versus Manchester United. Um, two teams who have a fantastic history in the tournament. Arsenal, of course, winning it 13 times to Manchester United's 12. Both coming off very good victories. I uh, Your lengthy email uh, on the Arsenal-Chelsea game. Saw how uh, I could see how frustrated you were, but both coming off victories, Manchester United still have not lost under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. How do you think this
1: one's going to go? Thanks for bringing up the fact that uh, <laughs> we lost in the week. Had to um, do it. <laughs> of course you did. Um, I don't know. It's quite an interesting, one, actually, because Manchester United have been on such a great run of form, uh, and I think you know if you pitted. Them like performance wise over the last sort of month or so, I think you've got to say that United would be favourites, but uh, they're still below Arsenal at the table. Obviously, this is a different competition, but um, Arsenal are coming off that you know, a a good win where they played really well uh, against Chelsea. So I think form can maybe be discounted a bit. It's up to sort of what team they put out, whether they both go for like you know, their first team really strong. Uh, teams which might make it, you know, a really close match, or they might sort of rest a few players, in which case I think it might go to United's favour, because I think they've probably got a sort of a deeper squad. So like they can play Lukaku up front instead of Rashford. They can get Sanchez some more game time. Um they've got a lot of midfielders that can get a few more minutes. So whether well, there's Arsenal I think if they did that would probably struggle and be fielding a lot of a weaker team. Um, and they have been playing sort of second eleven, a lot of youth players in this competition. So the team selection will be very interesting. But I think I'd give the edge to United just, which will make you happy.
0: Ooh, I'll take that. Well, you mentioned team selection. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has come out and said that Alexis Sanchez will feature um, against Arsenal, his former club. Uh, doubt still on Maran Fellaini, Chris Smalling and Marcos Rojo in the United camp due to injury. And obviously... Hector Bellerin looks like he's going to be out for the entire season, which is never good because he, he he's had a really good comeback from injury, and it's it's a shame to see him go out as well. Yeah. Uh, Danny Welbeck and Mkhitaryan both out as well, so both teams, like you said, probably will make changes. If you think someone is going to be the key player on the pitch for either side, who would you pinpoint from each team?
1: Oh, I don't know because I don't know who's going to I don't know who's going to be starting. Um. I don't know. You've got to say if Ramsey's playing. I think Ramsey for Arsenal, considering how he played against Chelsea, um, was huge. He was really important. Um, I don't know if Urzel will play because you know he's been omitted uh, from the starting eleven for quite a while now. Um, whether it's through mystery back spasms or just Emery <laughs> not wanting to play him, I think if Erzul plays, Ramsey won't. But if Ramsey plays, he will take up that sort of creative midfielder role. So. Um, you know, I think Ramsey could be hugely influential, but he might not play because that's my play. I don't know. Um, and Man United... Oh, I don't know. I don't even know what team they could have. Like, Just oh, someone I'll... quick that can run at Kashelny and Socrates or whoever's defending.
0: So you say someone quick, and this is an interesting one, because f- for United, a lot of the play under Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has been about this blistering, counter-attacking play from the likes of Martial, Rashford... Uh, Lingard. But one man who's been involved in more FA Cup goals than anyone else on the United team, Juan Mata, he's been involved in 11 oh. goals in 10 FA Cup starts against Premier League opposition. So you'd assume that he'd start on the right-hand side, probably giving someone a rest. Lukaku might start up front and he says Sanchez will feature, so whether or not that means he, he comes off the bench or starts, that's uh, that we'll have to wait and see for the evening. But Juan Mata is a very clever, clever player, and he, he unlocks defences in, in a way that a lot of players can't do. So I think f- from a United standpoint, I think he'll probably start and probably be very key in the way United build a lot of their attacking threats. But Opta's beautiful stat machine has, has given me something. Again, Arsenal have won 12 of their last 13 FA Cup matches against Premier League sides. So oh, they are, so good against other premier league sides their last defeat coming in 2015 against Watford a very balanced game how many of those game. premier
1: league oh, sorry how many how many of those premier league sides have been manchester united though
0: <laughs> i mean that's a very that's a very good point the last time manchester united played oh this is this is now going back well manchester united lost to them of course um in the semi-final when van hal was manager um in 2015 um, they've played a lot of times. They've played a lot of times in the last uh, 13 years. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it'll be an interesting one if you're going to put your neck on the line. What would you say the score is?
1: Yeah, oh, that's a horrible question. Um, 3-2 United.
0: 3-2, you
1: goals. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's really hard because it could be literally anything.
0: I I like that though because both sides can be shaky at the back and and do like to score goals so that would be an issue. I I'm going to go for a more conservative 2-1 to Manchester United. I think like look, looking at the way Arsenal played against Chelsea again sorry to bring it up they looked really really good. Um Manchester United looked a little shaky towards the end against Brighton but I think they will pull it through. So both gone for Manchester United wins on this one. This one this next one might be a little bit difficult. Uh, Middlesbrough versus Newport County. And I picked this one out because obviously Newport, one of the upsets of the last round, beating Leicester City um, at Newport. They go away to Middlesbrough, who are currently fifth in the championship. Another cup upset, do you think? No.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think Middlesbrough are actually quite a strong side. Like you said, they've dropped a bit uh, to fifth in the championship. But, you know, for the last several seasons, they've been up there in the uh, playoff spots. So... I think they're that kind of team that aren't terribly weak to sides like this. I think they've got a very strong squad, um, very talented players, and I just think that it would take a lot for sort of a lower league team to knock them out. That's not to say they can't, but I think it'd be very hard for them. I think one thing as well that plays into this,
0: the style of football that um Middlesbrough play and and I'm not saying this like Alan mentioned in the last pod. there's no right way to play football but they are set up a very particular way and it makes it very difficult to break down so I think Newport whereas against Leicester they had a bit more freedom because the Leicester players may be slightly complacent but play a more open style of football I think Middlesbrough are really going to shut them out in this one but you never know magic of the FA Cup uh what do you think the score is going to be in that one
1: uh, we'll go two nil, Middlesbrough.
0: Okay, fair. I, I was gonna go. I was gonna go one nil. I think it was gonna be a not gonna be a dicking, but uh, just a solid one nil win uh, for Middlesbrough. Uh, one game you picked out: Shrewsbury Town versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. What what caught your eye about that one?
1: Well, all the BBC articles saying that their manager rides horses, which is of no relevance at all. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, they're just like, he they used to go to, um, I can't remember his name now, it's escaped me, but he's uh, he used to go to horse races at Wembley Arena or something. Um, and now he's, you know, looking to end up there in the finals of the FA Cup. No, um, it's just another one of those things, like it's a Premier League team that, you know, they're doing very well. But, you know, Wolves have, as we've mentioned many times, they do really well against top six teams and then do seem to sort of, really lack performance against the lower, you know, the team's worse off in that division in the Premier League. So this might be the same sort of thing being like, they might rest a few players think that, oh, we'll be able to, you know, breeze past Shrewsbury and they might give them a bit of a challenge. It is at Shrewsbury as well, which always helps, um, you know, see if the supports can get behind them. So if any of them, you know, if any upsets I was going to call at the weekend, this would probably be the one that I'm most confident on.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Well, Wolves in in sort of mixed form, uh, a really decent victory, last gasp over Leicester. But then before that, a loss to Manchester City. But of course, they beat Liverpool in the previous round. Um, Shrewsbury beat Stoke in a replay in the previous round, but have had a really consistently poor form out of their last six games. They've drawn four. So my bet is going to go to a replay again on this one. It's going to be a one all draw.
1: What are you thinking? Uh, I don't know. Probably like I'm just. I would like it to just be a. a and I'd like Sheffield to just win, but I think it'll just be like a one nil, sort of like they scrape one in the ninety second minute or something.
0: Because if it goes to
1: if it goes to replay and they end up at Molyneux, like they won't win, because um, Wolves will realise that. Oh wait, we need to kick into gear here and actually win a match. So, I reckon um, they've got to win it. You know, they've got to win it there at home and. They might, just scrap, they might just scrape a goal in the very last, the dying minutes of the match.
0: I will hold you to that one. Uh, another game that caught my eye and not just because I went to university there for four years. Portsmouth <laughs> versus QPR. Portsmouth doing insanely well. Top of League One versus QPR who, you know what, they're playing okay in the championship. They're not nothing special. They're 14th at the moment. I really think Portsmouth can have a go at them. And And there was a stat that someone told me that QPR got through their first third round game in 23 years when they won. So they're they're getting nosebleeds, I'd imagine, for being in the fourth round. It's going to be crazy. I think Portsmouth can probably have a go at them.
1: Oh, I think so. Like, I get it's just mad because Portsmouth for years have been that like sort of joke team, and no, mm-hmm. no offense if you are from Portsmouth and you support them, but like they have sort of been a bit of a mockery because their fall from when they got relegated to the Premier League to League Two was just sort of is the one that everyone made fun of them for. And now they're actually bouncing back and playing really well. Um, I think this is the time to show that they can they can make their way back, and I think progressing through this what. You know there's not many places between them, so um, I genuinely think they you know it's the type of thing that they shouldn't just be thinking, oh, we can win this, they should sort of be expecting to win it, um, and really go out there and put in a strong performance.
0: Brett Pittman, he's a, he's a fan favorite of mine, Tom, and Ryan. I, I can't remember why, I, I think it's the Bournemouth connection, that's why. Um, five goals this season in 20 matches in the uh, in the Football League. He's probably going to be the man that scores the goals. If Portsmouth are going to win the game, I'm going to go two 0 Portsmouth. Uh, I I'll go two one to Portsmouth. Yeah. Well, two Portsmouth. Hey, we you know what we agreed on most things for the FA yeah. Cup. Uh, Plenty of other ties as well in a, an all Premier League affair. Manchester City take on Burnley and Newcastle take on Watford as well. And then your boys Chelsea take on Sheffield Wednesday. It would be harsh not to mention them. How how do you think they'll do?
1: Well, I hope they'll have Higuain uh, to come and lead the line. So I don't, I don't think we'll struggle too much. Um, but, you know, anything can happen. But I would not bet against us.
0: I probably agree with you. It'd be a good way to blood Higuain, Maybe slightly early, but maybe give him a few minutes to to run out. I Meanwhile, we're talking about Higuain. What what do you think of the signing? Do you think he'll uh, he'll come in and do?
1: I'm I'm very confident, but that's sort of because I have to be. <laughs> I don't really have a choice. I no, I think he'll I think he'll do well. I mean, he's on loan. Like if he doesn't perform, then he'll go back to. I think Juventus. I think Milan loan thing has then run out, so i will end up going back to Juventus. But, um,
0: you know, he's reunited
1: with Sarri. He loves him. They love each other. He knows the system. I think he'll do quite well. Um, and like, no one's expecting him to score, like, 12 goals in the rest of the season. But um, it's just still the ability to let Hazard go back to left wing and for him to score a couple goals. And I think he will feature on Sunday. Um, I, don't think, I don't think he'll quite start, but, like, he is match fit. Um, and he knows the system, so he probably could walk straight in. It depends on uh, if Sarri wants to give Giroud minutes, but um, we'll have to wait and see. But who will definitely feature?
0: It'll be interesting to see Gonzalo Higuain in English football. Right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more interesting things about the FA Cup and some other leagues because there's uh, some important things happening too. Catch you in a minute. He's
1: got-
0: If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. Right, welcome back and as I mentioned, some more FA Cup stuff for you. I said that there were Premier League ties and of course... I missed one. Ryan, if you're listening, I'm sorry. It is Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. London derby of sorts. It'll be an interesting one. Palace had a real good go at Liverpool last time out and uh, and Tottenham just about nicked a win over Fulham. You'd assume that Tottenham would rotate a squad but of course I don't think they probably have a squad to rotate into.
1: <laughs> they haven't got 11 players, let alone 22 where they can play a second <laughs> 11. <laughs>
0: It's going to be an interesting game. How do you see it going? Because Palace probably have Premier League survival more on their minds than a cup run. And Tottenham probably have more thoughts of not getting anyone else injured. Bearing in mind, they are currently, at the time of recording, will be playing in a Carabao Cup second leg. We're recording this before that happens. So we have literally no idea what the score is going to be. So how do you think they'll do? I didn't mean about the Caravan
1: Um no I, I you know Tottenham do need to be a little bit careful we don't know what's going to happen tonight um, or yesterday evening when this goes up um, but like, they do need to be careful and they just sort of need like their, their aim is to try and survive in the Premier League while these players are out and like until they can get Son back until Kane's fit, till Ali can come back um, and to try and keep their position and not drop many points so I'm not sure how sort of focused they are on the FA Cup, really. Like, it's a good opportunity to give, you know, these players minutes and stuff in a, um, another competition, but then they doesn't really have a, <laughs> Pochettino doesn't really have a choice to not play them. So, um, I don't know. They'll have to... It'll be a good test of Pochettino's managing skill. Like, we've all been talking about how good of a manager he is, but, you know, that's with some outstanding players and some of the best in England. Be interesting to see what he does with his sort of reserve players, and if he can motivate them uh, and get them to play well enough to to beat Crystal Palace, who might be playing a slightly weaker side, but will definitely be having a go.
0: It would be interesting to see uh, what lineup Tottenham do put out because, I mean, you could put out uh, a second eleven, but whether or not that be the kit man 11 and 11 the guy who would... does the water, yeah,
1: one of the doctors <laughs> whether is playing or not right <laughs> Daniel Levy's up yeah, there as no, goalkeeper
0: he's a shrewd businessman he would uh, he would find someone to get in there but whether or not they actually have the person, I'm sure they have plenty of youngsters who can come in, um, George Kevin and Kudu who came on against Fulham, you'd imagine he'd probably start as well, especially with the injury to Ali, but you know, I think it'll be an interesting game, you know what, I'm going to go Palace win I think Ooh. Tottenham will have their thoughts elsewhere so I'm going to go with a Palace win
1: I might start my tirade against uh... Game time presenters and say that Crystal Palace are going to win, Wimbledon are going to beat West Ham, and then change my prediction to Arsenal to beat United. Um, oh. <laughs> just annoy oh. every single oh. other presenter on this show. Um, I mean, sense says Tottenham, but as Ryan says, now's the time to play them, and now's the time to win. Um, <laughs> with all their injuries, you know, Crystal Palace might as well have a go. Um, is again, it's at Selhurst Park. Uh, if if it's not going terribly well, just put Zaha on and see what you can do.
0: Yeah, I imagine he is. No one is going to want Wilfred Zaha running at them. James Milner already having PTSD after his red card uh, at Anfield against them the other week. Right, so that probably wraps about. Just about wraps up, I should say, our FA Cup preview for this weekend. We've gone through some of the some of the big games. Tim, you've had your eye on a few things abroad. What, what can you tell us? Well, I
1: just thought we don't really talk about other leaks that much. and uh, Apart from when... Brexit, mate. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> we can no longer talk about foreign things. Um, <laughs> uh, no, so, like, I thought, you know, it quite interesting to have a sort of a look at some of them. Um, a bit of a roundup. Of course, the one that's immediately taken eyes, is Serie A, with sort of the Higuain signing um, and Piatek, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, signing for AC Milan yes. with Higuain leaving. Um it's just what amuses me, these sort of transfers where you can only sell a player until you can only sell a player once you've got a replacement in, but then that, that club selling it to you need then a replacement for him, so they won't sell you to him. And it's just, it's just a mess. Because um, like the Chelsea one's <laughs> been Morata going on loan to Sevilla, so um, Chelsea wanted to sign Higuain before Morata went, but then Milan wanted to sign Piotr before Higuain went. And it's just a merry go round. Um,
0: Chelsea loved getting involved in these weird triangles the Y one as well wasn't it where Y had to leave on loan to Dortmund before Arsenal would sell Giroud to Chelsea so that Aubameyang could then go to Arsenal. Yeah it's
1: when they're all linked together as well it's just like it just doesn't make any sense and they might as well all just sign off at the same time like if they did it all in the space of three days it would be fine um, but yeah. yeah so anyway I'm getting off topic but that's quite interesting and at uh, signing for €300 million Euros, um, from Genoa, I believe. So, yes. I mean, do you think that's going to help Milan's chances? They've, they're up to fourth now in Serie A, which is you know, probably one of the highest positions they've been in in the last few years. Um, do you think he'll actually prove a good signing and help them get Champions League spaces?
0: He's having a really good season um, for Genoa before he signed for Milan. My issue is, and this has happened so much, Milan have signed some really decent players over the last few years, and I keep going, yeah, this will be the time that they come back, and and they haven't really done it, but they are playing well under Gattuso, which is surprising to be honest with you, because he's not the most versatile of managers. I mean, he two-footed Higuain in training a couple of <laughs> weeks back, and and that's pretty much what he gets this side doing. But they're playing well, and Piattex has been in really really good form, and, and you'd hope, you'd hope he's not going to move to Milan and do what a lot of big strikers have done. Look at your Higuain, look at a lot of strikers and a lot of players. I mean, Hakan Kalanoglu moved from the Bundesliga to them, thinking he would light it up, didn't really do much. Suso has been decent, to be fair, since signing from Liverpool. So hopefully Piatek can, um, can be a, the front man they want. But quite interestingly, they haven't given him the number nine shirt because, and I quote, Leonardo said, the number nine shirt isn't something we give. It's something that someone earns. Yeah, Higuain was given the number nine shirt. <laughs> answered, so <laughs> exactly. He earned it playing somewhere else. But apparently Piatek's, what 13 goals in 19 appearances in the league isn't good enough to get him the number nine shirt. But eh, I think it will be interesting. Uh, unfortunate for Genoa, who have lost a very, very good striker. But they will undoubtedly replace it with... Some other Italian player because that's the way Serie A works. They just seem to inter to each They'll other. They'll get
1: loaned to someone while loaning someone back to another club who then sells it to them. Um, oh, <laughs> It's mental. No, you're right though. AC Milan do seem to have sort of an issue with bringing players in. Like They brought in Carlos Baca as striker and he didn't do well as well as Catrone and just they've all sort of flopped and not done terribly well. But Bacayoko has been brought in and he's played several minutes after getting yelled at by Catuso. Um, not that I ever want
0: to see him back at Chelsea. <laughs> to be fair, Coutron is a decent, a young Italian player who's come through the ranks of Milan and, and has done quite well. And, and they seem to be quite decent at bringing young players up. Donnarumma springs to mind as well. Though Milan fans aren't all too happy with him after he basically held them to ransom for a new absolutely ludicrous salary, but he's come through quite well. I mean, another failure. They tried to sign Benucci. They did sign him for a year and it went miserably and he went straight back to Juventus. So, you know what? Maybe it's going to take Milan to just buy not ready-made stars. And Piatek looks to be a player who's got quite high potential um, and he's doing very well at the moment. Let's see if he can adapt because I think Milan would would love to go back to the days where they had
1: an absolutely ruthless goal scour- goal-scoring centre-forward. Along with the likes of Shevchenko and Inzaghi. Um, oh, yes, <laughs> you imagine? Um, well, no, they do seem to be on their way back very slowly to the to the top, but what's got me interested is, like, Juventus are out on the, uh, the top by nine points, uh, followed by Napoli. Who do you think is going to win Serie A next after Juventus, and how long is it going to be before they do lose or, like, they don't win the title?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. Um... I don't see Juventus using, losing it for a few years, to be honest. If Ronaldo stays there for a couple of years, the title's going that way. Unfortunately for the Italian league, and, and I love the Italian league, Juventus just have so much buying power that they can pretty much pick and choose who they want out of the league. And and from abroad as well. I mean, they bought in Ronaldo. So I think they're going to win it for a couple more years. They're, they've got a stranglehold on that title and they're not going to give it up anytime soon. You'd probably assume that it will be between Napoli, Inter Milan, just because they're the closest rivals at the moment. If Milan can come back in it, that would be great. Or if Ballard will get promoted from Serie B, maybe
1: we'll give them a run for the money. Keep hoping. Um, well, I mean, Inter Milan are doing all right. They've got a pretty strong like foundations for a good team, though, because they've got Skriniar, um, Miranda, and who's the other centre back? I can't remember. Uh, Stefan De Vrij. Right, there you go. And like, I've got Handanovic in goal. Like, they've got, you know, a solid base to actually start building a team from again. Um, despite them having a huge the issue... lapse of performance as well. Yeah,
0: no, the issue is Inter Milan doing very well as well. They're a very good team. The problem with those sort of teams, and, and I'm not slating the Italian league at all, but Icardi will most likely move on to a bigger club if that's Real Madrid, if that's someone in the Premier League, I can see him going. And once he goes, the goals will probably dry up. Perisic maybe getting on a little bit, but was linked to Manchester United quite heavily. Nine Golans come in, he's done well. He's a little bit of a loose cannon sometimes, so he hasn't always worked for them. They're still being linked with Modric, so that could be a potential move if not January, maybe in the summer. But the problem with the Italian League is if Juventus wants someone, they will buy them. And if their player gets too good, they will just be bought abroad if they're not loyal, like a Daniela de Rossi at Roma, for example, who had the opportunity to join Manchester City but stuck with Roma. And I think that's where most of the Italian teams that aren't Juventus struggle. Look at Napoli. They got so close. and the moment they didn't do it, bang, see you later. Higuain disappears off to Juventus because that's what they want. And then Jorginho disappears to Chelsea with Sari. And, and I think that's too common a place in the Italian league and is what is keeping Juventus at the top of the
1: table. Is that Juventus going to win it forever and ever then?
0: <laughs> I would say Juventus will lose it once Massimo Allegri leaves Juventus. I think maybe a change in manager will be the thing that eventually undoes
1: them. Is that what, after Ronaldo's left or retired? Yeah, I
0: don't see them losing it with Ronaldo. in team. Saying that he missed a penalty in Juventus's... Two nil win the other day,
1: so he is human. <laughs> Only just um, Well, you know, if if Bayern Munich can uh, lose a title, maybe Juventus can. They're six points down on Dortmund. Um, they were about sixth in the league, I think, at one point, but um, they made their way back to second. It's just a shock seeing them not perform. Like we're so used to seeing Bayern Munich just trash everybody, um, and now they're they've been losing to very different clubs throughout the league, uh, and are you know, second to Dortmund by a decent way. Um, you know, are they in a bit of a struggle now? Or do you reckon they'll bounce back fairly easily?
0: It's Bayern. You can't really ever write them off. Um, to be honest, Ryan is the absolute Bundesliga expert. So to not have him on this evening is a shame. But yeah, you can never really write them off. The thing with Bayern is I feel like they're going through a transition. Frank Ribery and Iron Robin are actually having really good seasons, especially Ribbery who's who's really caught the eye. It's the golden um, But... <laughs> it is. is spending a thousand pounds on gold trim stakes in Turkey, but I, I think that's the issue. You cannot have your best performing players as two mid thirty wingers, and, and they've got the likes of Nabri coming in, and whether or not they sign Hudson Odoi, that'll be enough. So I think they're going through a transition at the moment, and maybe they'll come out of that transition better um, once they stop re- having to rely on the likes of uh, Robin and Ribery to get them goals, but. Yeah, Dortmund. Fair play to them. They're they're banging it out at the top of the league, six points clear. They've they've kept Pulisic for the rest of the season from you guys as well, which I think is is big because they lose him and and all of a sudden it might be a little bit more difficult to bring someone in who's already bedded in and and of that quality. So I think it'll be it'll be a tight race. Uh, I'm not sure if if Dortmund and Bayern. Uh, play each other anytime soon but that'll be one hell of a game for sure
1: yeah I mean Dortmund have just got a really deep squad and it's great because they've like a lot of players that are quite similarly sort of ranked in like you know they're, they're relatively as good as each other obviously Royce is a standout but in midfield you've got players like Goetze, Kagawa, Witzel, Weigel and like sort of a really good core of players And you've got Sancho, Pulisic and a lot a lot of wide players as well. So, like, you know, they've just got a really strong squad and they can keep rotating. And it's quite, quite interesting to see how... Because a lot of managers, like Maurizio Sarri comes to mind, for one, that, that hardly ever rotate players. They only use about 14 different players in the space of a season. But there's Dortmund to keep <laughs> rotating, keep using different players and are performing really well. It's just a really interesting model uh, to see them actually use. But, I don't know, Bayern, it's interesting to see what... Oh, sorry, go on.
0: No, no, I was just going to say, the thing that that is good for Dortmund as well is they've got fit Marco Reus for the first time in a while. He'd always seemed to be... Well, I don't think he'd played at an international tournament for Germany because he'd always get injured towards the latter part of the season. But it looks like this season... I think he's won four... It's either three or four Bundesliga Player of the Month this year alone. So it shows... And I know I think it's fan-voted, but it shows how much of an impact he's had. Scored 11 goals as well this season. So... I think a fit Marco Royce is, is such a good player. and We've been, unfortunately, I don't know what the right word is, but we've been unfortunate not to see him really shine because of the injuries he's had. But it's nice to see him fit and firing now. Yeah, he's
1: sort of Thornton's player of the year as well. Um, it's interesting what you said about Bayern Munich's transitional phase because, like, as you said, Robin Ribéry on the way out, being linked with Hudson-Odoi as a young player, but they've just signed... Um, Chris Richards from Dallas after performing, you know, he's been he's 18, he's been performing in the under-19s, under-19s signed on a permanent deal and if, you've, if you're if you interested in FIFA you'll know about him because he's just come up on the uh, as one of the future stars players but um, they've also oh. got Nabry as well uh, and like they've got a lot of, they're bringing a lot of young players through now which is quite interesting to see and um, they've got Goretzka and Tolisso as well playing in midfield so it does seem like they've sort of gone through a shift and maybe this season is just sort of that, like you said, that transitional phase. And now, next season, they're just going to come through again and win everything, including the Champions League.
0: Yeah, you can never discount Bayern. They're, they're, absolutely, um, they're absolutely stunning. One player that I wanted to mention, if we're talking about Bundesliga as well, Luka Jovic, the Eintracht Frankfurt striker, top of the Bundesliga scoring charts with 13 goals. Granted, five of them did come in one game <laughs> at the beginning of the season, but... He looks like a real talent as well. He's a young forward who you'd imagine will only get goals. And I'd imagine if Bayern need a striker to replace Lewandowski in the next couple of years, they might be sniffing out for him as well.
1: Yeah, just buying all those German league players. Um, We'll mention (laughs) La Liga really quickly. Uh, Barcelona have just signed uh, Frankie de Jong from Ajax. Good signing? Yeah,
0: he looks a very good player at a very young age. He's another one of those classic Ajax products that seems to just be able to do anything on a football pitch, so he'll sit perfectly alongside Kevin Prince-Berteng, I
1: <laughs> Two slightly different classes of player there. Uh, 75 million euros for the 21-year-old uh, and a loan for Kevin Prince-Berteng, which we did talk about uh, last episode. Barcelona can do what they want, to be honest. It doesn't really matter. Um, but Real Madrid third, they were, you know, they've improved a little bit from being sixth a few weeks ago. Um, like, we haven't, we haven't really talked about Real Madrid other than the fact that Sort of Ronaldo's left, and they've really struggled to fill the void with him because um, they haven't had a player that's stepped up uh, recently. Does Real Madrid need a bit of an overhaul now? Because they've got quite a lot of young players, like we've mentioned, they've got Asensio, um, they signed Vinicius Junior in the summer, and Lucas Vasquez. But like, they still got players like Bale, Benzema, and, and yet somehow still don't seem to be, you know, comfortably winning matches like we know they should do. I think the issue with
0: Real Madrid is the fact that how do you motivate a team who's literally won everything there is to win and won possibly the hardest European competition there is to win three times on the bounce? It, I think it's it's that level now that those players just want something else to do because they're clearly reached their peak at Real Madrid. Luka Modric, Ballon d'Or winner. He was already, before the season even started, was already... Had his head turned towards Inter Milan because he wanted to do something else. Yes, the likes of Vinicius Jr.'s come in. He's gonna to have to get blooded in a little bit more. Bale's too injury prone, it seems, and they absolutely hate him over there. I don't know what it is. I went to watch a Real Madrid match a few years back and he hit a it was against Valencia, he hit a free kick from about 30 yards off the bar. And the old man in front of me just went, That's why we should have never signed him. And I was thinking <laughs> I don't understand you're 2-0 down to Valencia at home and you're complaining about Bale oh,
1: it's ridiculous um, but they, I mean yeah they are right they still got the players like Ramos has been there forever and you're right he's won absolutely everything but you don't ever see him leaving so I don't know what they're going to do if they can't sort of fight their way back to be honest um, maybe it's just a lull that they need to fight their way out of because now that they're not doing as well they're not motivated to like try any better because they're not winning but then when they win, they're not yeah. motivated to then do you think, oh, we can do this easily, and then they lose again. So it's just a bit like, I don't really know where they go from here.
0: They, they are... I mean, I talked to one of my mates who's a Real Madrid fan, and he just says there just seems to be no fluency in it. It seems like one week they're fine, and in the next week, it's a completely different team out there. And he, he thinks that there's just something that's not quite clicking with them for some reason. They just don't look like the team. But then... Again, it's the Champions League. They seem to really wake up. So it'll be interesting to see in a, what, the first couple of weeks of February how they get back into Champions League action because um, it doesn't matter if they're playing bad in the league. No one wants to face Real Madrid. Nah,
1: not at all. I still reckon Barcelona or Juve will win it, though.
0: I, you know what? I, I would imagine it'll be one of those two. I think PSG have got a good chance but they won't get past Ollie, so it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> well, talking PSG, um, I mean, there's never much to talk about in the French League because, other than people sitting in hot tubs watching matches, uh, but they romped a massive win recently.
0: Oh, yeah, they beat, and I will butcher the pronunciation of this team, Geenkamp, it's probably pronounced like something else, but I don't know the correct pronunciation. 9-0, hat-trick for Mbappe, hat-trick for Cavani, two for Neymar, and then uh, Thomas Mounier grabbing the other one. It's just, it's too easy for them. It's too easy for them, yeah.
1: simply. Put. Well, we we mentioned before, that's why they might not do so, well of the Champions League, is because they just don't have any opposition in, in Liga. Yeah. Yeah, no, t-
0: I totally agree. I think that you can only get better by beating or by playing better teams. You have to learn. None of those players are learning. I, I watched Neymar get hacked down by uh, an opposition player and then within a second, had rainbow flicked him and taken a shot. And I'm thinking, yes, that's amazing. That It shows how good Neymar is. But that is not going to be bettering him as a footballer. It, it can't be. And the fact that Mbappe is absolutely smashing in the goals, I can only assume he'll be going to Real Madrid at some point soon. It's, because he will Madrid get
1: bored.
0: Yeah, he will get bored of doing that. N- no one... I say no one. Very few people want to spend a career absolutely slamming in goals for fun against very not competitive opposition, and then as soon as they come up against a shred of decent players, they absolutely capitulate, like they did in that second leg against Barcelona in the Champions League.
1: Yeah, it's just you know that we generally think that is why they might uh, they might fail. Um, but that is literally all there is to talk about the French league because nothing's happening. So, from the French league to the yeah. money league. Which, if you don't know, ranks clubs uh, based on their revenue. So the amount of money they make uh, compared to everyone else. Do you want to have a guess at who's top? I would
0: assume it's going to be Real Madrid. It is
1: Real Madrid. Uh, They've ousted United from the top spot. Um, As of Barcelona, who are second. United are down to third. Um, Real Madrid making €750 million. It's ridiculous um, I'll run down most of the top 10 really quickly It's Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United Bayern Munich, Manchester City PSG, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham Juventus are 11th um, But what I'm going to ask you is who fills the last 5 spots of the top 20 So uh, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th and 20th Because they're quite interesting Oh god um... So I'll, I'll give you the the rundown right? So Uh, Juventus were 11th, Dortmund 12th, Atletico Madrid 13th, Inter 14th and Roma were 15th.
0: Okay, so... So I've got... Jeez. Basically every top two teams in every single league, apart from the Premier League, that's the top five. Yeah. Um, Bloody hell. Uh, CSK Moscow?
1: Uh, They are not on there at all. They're not in the top 30, which is what this league is ranked on.
0: Uh, I literally have no idea. Uh, Can you give me a clue to the
1: league? Uh, Right, there's three English teams there. One German and one Italian. Uh,
0: So the current... I'm trying to think of the, the current top eight...
1: What was the Italian team we were mentioning earlier?
0: We mentioned a lot, uh, Napoli.
1: No, <laughs> they're Milan? Oh no, it's so into a 14th. It's AC Milan at 18th. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you. That's I'll give good. the other one. So the 16th team, the German team, was Schalke. So
0: oh, Ices, a
1: shout. 17th, 19th, and 20th are all English teams,
0: and it's none of the top five let uh, less okay. Let's go. Let's go.
1: Leicester. Leicester, twenty second. Not a bad show God
0: damn it! Alan um, would be very
1: happy. To... West Ham. West Ham, were twentieth. They made almost one hundred and ninety-seven million euros out of revenue. That's pretty.
0: That's pretty decent. Yeah, I don't know whether to um, do with this new
1: stadium or not. Um, which isn't terribly new now, yeah. but
0: two more. Uh, new car. Newcastle you know. Newcastle
1: the 19th so even though Mike Ashley doesn't give Rafa Benitez any money to spend they're making over 200 million euros yeah that's
0: all from shorts and mug sales i'd imagine <laughs> it's just
1: they count in House uh... of Fraser and Sports Direct <laughs> uh,
0: let's go wolves no it's what?
1: it's everton a 17th uh, okay so yeah. it's just quite interesting to see the teams like Newcastle and West Ham are up there you know only sort of five places behind Inter Milan Um, other honourable mentions, we had Leicester City at 22nd, Southampton at 23rd and Brighton are making it into the top 30 for the first time ever Get in there Brighton So that's quite interesting, Um, but if you look at the overall stats um, the top country ranking is obviously England with 13 teams in the top 30 with a revenue of 4,411 million euros so 4.4 billion (laughs)
0: Christ, that's a lot of money.
1: It is a lot of money. There are some more stats as well, so go check it out. It's the Delaware Football Money League.
0: Four point one billion, that just about covers Ronaldo's taxes. <laughs> no, because he doesn't pay them. Exactly. Oh, oh, that was a uh, that was good fun. Interestingly, breaking news. Just because I've been scrolling down Twitter, Monaco have suspended Thierry Henry. They've suspended Thierry Henry. Monaco have suspended Thierry Henry as they make a decision about his future. Well,
1: one of my talking points for just coming up was that Henry would apparently have banished uh, and quotes too many to name uh, from the Monaco first team to the reserves to try and turn around the club's fortunes because apparently the players were only thinking about their own futures.
0: Christ. Uh, and he, he's he been a bit hot water as well, because I don't know if you saw, he... He had to apologise for basically abusing uh, Strasbourg defender Kenny Lala uh, <laughs> at the weekend for, like, time-wasting.
1: Jeez. It's not going well for him. They just signed no, Fabregas as well.
0: They have it And Naldo.
1: And, and Naldo?
0: Yeah. <sighs> Whew. That's... Monaco, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> They'll be regretting that decision to move.
0: Oh, God, yeah. But, yeah, they've... Uh... There's the breaking news for you. Suspended until they make a decision about his future.
1: Not good. Um,
0: what other talking points have you got for us?
1: Well, I've got. So the Cop America draw was earlier. There's um, nice. four pots. Uh, and the sort of last name picked out of pot three and pot four were Japan and Qatar. Huh. So those two South American teams, very famous for their success. Um, apparently, because there's only ten teams that actually compete in the tournament, and the sort of governing body just pick two random national teams that they think would like to compete in the tournament, and then just put them into the draw. So this week it's Qatar and Japan.
0: That's it's so weird. They're such so, like they're not even relatively like close. Like they've <laughs> just gone and picked two random. Like, I'd imagine if they'd gone like. Oh, like France and Netherlands, because they're countries that are quite close in proximity. But it's like they've gone and thrown two darts at a map and just thought <laughs> Japan and, oh, Qatar. Look at that. They
1: just, they just sent a, like, a little fishing boat across the ocean. It was the first thing they came to. Um, what's amusing to <laughs> me is that they've just picked two really, like, really not very good teams. I know Japan made the World Cup, but, like, didn't get past the group stage. And then Qatar just aren't very good at football. They've picked two teams that literally every of their South American teams will beat.
0: Are they just trying to make Messi win
1: it now? I think so. I think so, they're so right. desperate for Messi to win the title. But, um, so, yeah. they have facing won Qatar last in the two, final. The last two times. Can you imagine Messi against Qatar? Yes.
0: Oh, I wouldn't. Uh, They'd somehow bribe him to try and join them for the World Cup.
1: That's brilliant. So, yeah. Um, Japan are in pot three with Venezuela and Paraguay. And then pot four is Ecuador, Bolivia and Qatar. So Japan are actually ranked above oh. Ecuador and Bolivia.
0: Imagine being ranked above teams that are allowed to play in that tournament.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so funny. The, the, the article I'm reading is just like the, the sort of subtitle is, why Japan and Qatar in it? And the guy just goes, frankly, an excellent question. Because <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> um, no, there is generally just they accepted invitations. Apparently because Qatar are the World Cup hosts. Um and Japan, Japan have actually played in the competition before in nineteen ninety nine. Get in there, Japan! Oh dear. Can you imagine just list of honours like they've won the Asian Cup, like they've all I don't know, but like in the future, Japan they're like list of honours on Wikipedia, like semi final of the Asian Cup, group stages in the World Cup, title of the Copper America. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, Copper America champions.
1: <sighs> that's great. Uh,
0: that's I wonder how far... I'm going to. I'm just googling how far they made it. They did, in fact, not make it out of the group stage. Oh,
1: dear. Oh, well. Poor Japan. Oh, well. Um, um, well. I was talking about Higuain earlier. Um, officially signed him on loan after about two years waiting for it. Um, apparently, according to official out, Chelsea had made a bid for the Napoli Stadium announcer. <laughs>
0: oh for fuck that is no I'm not having that <laughs> that cannot be true I don't
1: uh, no I, I'm not sure how how <laughs> That's... true it actually is but official dugout have reported that they, they made a bid for the stadium so the guy goes Gonzalo and then the crowd just <laughs> yell going back at him
0: Unbelievable! sorry, just going. I really like Napoli, I'm just gonna build Napoli in England and then bring the stadium over and all the coaches and all the players and just slowly take over Chelsea.
1: Yeah, literally, it's gonna the stadium's gonna be called Napoli Bridge. (laughs) Oh dear, anyway, yeah. The final one, um, just as lighter note is still on a Chelsea link, Diego Costa. Um, we all know what he got up to, but this week. Uh, he stole Theo Hernandez's coat, laid it on the floor, picked up a fire extinguisher, and sprayed it so that it changed colour from black to white. Th- they've got no Diego Costa. That's not the end of the story though. Don't you wait? Or just you wait? Oh god! Um, <laughs> he walked off just into the car park. Theo Hernandez then came running out in his pants and flip flops, like just having got changed <laughs> from training. Saw his coat saw the fire extinguisher next to it, and then picked the fire extinguisher up, walked over to Diego Costa's Range Rover, and just wrecked it. Oh! <laughs> uh, it's oh. so funny. Jesus, that is good fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It's just such, like, they're such children. It's just Diego Costa. Oh. Like, the antics he got up to in the Chelsea dressing room, like, he would just tell someone to, like, take the shirt off and stand, like, with their face to the wall and then just throw things at them. And then when it was his turn, he would just run away. Hmm. <laughs> oh my God. He is literally a big baby. <laughs> the looks about seven.
0: Oh, what? Oh, what a lad. What a lad. Um, I, I've got one. It's, it's not really linked completely to football, but, but I have an interesting link for it. Um, esports, right? That's a, a big thing. Yeah. So, the FIFA 19 Global Series. The, the top prize, if you win the major event, two hundred thousand dollars. If you win the whole thing, what? I want that. Two hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. But it's less money than a farming simulator league. Is going to come in. The farm. The farming simulator league uh, will see people compete to be the top farming simulator. The winner,
1: $250,000. Why? That's ridiculous. They just drive tractors around on a screen. And that,
0: and that is why any game can be an eSport. It is a wonderful thing, and I look forward to seeing how Farming Simulator will slowly take over Sky Sports
1: News. (laughs) It would be Jamie Carragher spitting out someone out of a a tractor. Um, I've just Googled, uh, like, biggest, like, eSports. This isn't even related to football now. I'm just quite interested. Biggest, like, eSports prize pool. And Dota 2 has $24.6 million in prizes. Yep. Jesus, you could buy a Danny Drinkwater for that. You could,
0: We'll be back next week. Feel free to check out all of our podcasts from this week, including a little extra bit that we recorded that didn't quite make an episode about Jaden Sancho and Callum Hudson-Odoi as well. Quite an interesting little thing there. And don't forget to give us a like or subscribe to any of the podcasting places we are. iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, the list goes on. Stitcher, Radio Public,
1: Breaker, Castbox, Pocket Casts.
0: Yeah. We've got Rain Man over here getting it all done for us. Uh, and remember, if you want to ask us anything at all, Twitter, you can tweet us at GameTime podcast or email us on our Gmail, GameTimePodcast1 at gmail.com. But until next week, have a good weekend. Bye.